Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. And again, a... uh... A very special welcome to anyone that has, uh, I think, perhaps slipped in during the course of our time of worship this morning. And if you have, my name is Jason, um, and it is a real privilege for me to be able to share God's Word with you this morning. Uh, And if you are just joining with us, uh, perhaps today, uh, then we are in the middle of a series, and perhaps we can uh, pop the slides up for that. Um, And we are transitioning into a new section today of the book of Genesis as we continue our series looking at the foundations of our faith through the window of the New Testament. Uh, So looking at the Old Testament as the foundations of our faith, but coming to it from the springboard, if you like, of the New Testament out of Hebrews chapter 11. And so uh, we move this morning out of uh, of, uh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and we now transition into the rest of the book of Genesis, uh, which really begins and is launched with this person, this incredibly significant individual in the whole of the Bible, and his name is Abraham. And uh, Abraham's life is so big and so significant that I was wrestling with how do I summarize it? How do I sort of bring it all together? And, and the best that I could, I could sort of put out was this, is that um, Father Abraham had many sons, Many sons had Father Abraham, and uh, you are one of them, and so am I, so let's all praise the Lord, and no, I was just kidding, um, I vacillated with whether I should do that or not, uh, but, but, but as a recap, and to introduce uh, the, this person, this figure of, of such great importance, we've seen the first 11 chapters of Genesis set the scene for us of how God is connected with the world that he has created, that he is the creator of all things, that he creates humanity to rule over his perfect creation. But humanity again and again chooses to rebel against God. And this world, this perfect world that God has made is broken in deeper and deeper ways by humanity's sin and the influence now of evil. And even the reboot with Noah that we heard about from Ryan does not resolve the problem of this broken world. And so we get to the end of of Genesis chapter 11, and the big question that is in our hearts and should be in our minds is, can God do anything to fix the problem of our sin and rescue this broken world? Is there anything that God can do? And that is where we see the introduction of Abram, who becomes Abraham and his family. And it is the promise that 
God gives to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can kind of get ahead to that point if you like. And the covenant that ultimately is unpacked in greater and greater detail in chapters 15 and 17 and following on from there. That defines the trajectory for the whole of the rest of the Bible. As God chooses to rescue and bless this broken world through one man and his family, the family that will come from him through this man, Abraham. So that even Paul, later on in the New Testament, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Romans chapter 4 from verse 16 says this, Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it might be grace and may be granted to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, the Jews, the people Israel, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. The inspiration for that song. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. We all have our heritage in the promise that God gives to Abraham. And actually without understanding Abraham, And what God did with him and through him and through his family, it is very hard for us to understand the full impact and significance of the gospel message. It's why time and time again in the New Testament, they lean back on this promise. And so I want to look at that with us. And I hope that as we do, we are going to be encouraged and inspired, not just as we see what God promised to Abraham, But as we look at the example of Abraham's life, what does it mean to live a life of faith in relationship with God? And we're going to look at that. We're actually going to look at this life of Abraham and how God works with him over the next three weeks and and take it in in different bite-sized, hopefully, chunks. Okay, so let me pray for us as we dive into Hebrews 11 and then really into Genesis chapter 12. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that you have spoken to us. The way that you have spoken to your people over centuries. The way that you spoke to Abraham. And God, the way that you are faithful and trustworthy. That the things you say, we can trust And that your word, which is truth, brings life and freedom to us. And so, God, I pray now as we look at your word together, that you would shape our hearts, that you would renew our minds, that you would awaken our spirits and give us strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, hopefully you are looking forward to this. Hebrews chapter 11. Here we go. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, 
even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I just want to key us up to some important things that we see in this passage. You'll notice that there is a command from God. There is a promise from God. There is a response from Abraham. And there is the, there is the introduction, there is the hint We're going to pick this up more in in Genesis chapter 12, that there is going to be a struggle as this promise and this command are lived out in relationship with God. And I want to say to all of us today, the life of a Christian, living the Christian life of faith is a constant journey as we receive and engage with God's commands to us and then his promises to us. And then as we respond, hopefully, in faith and obedience, the struggle that we will all engage in as we seek to live in obedience to God, hopefully, unto that moment of victory that we see either in this life or ultimately in the life that is to come. There were times in Abraham's life where it seemed that he was not going to make it right the way through that process. There were wobbles. Any of you had wobbles in your faith as you've sought to be obedient to what God has said and lived it out in relation to the promise and there's been a struggle and you haven't known if you were going to get there? Abraham is our example. Not just in a momentary faith. Not just, I believe in God in this moment of crisis, which obviously is a good thing to do. Or I put my faith in Jesus when I heard that great preacher speaking the gospel. Not just a momentary faith, but Abraham is our example in a life of faith. Where we live believing what God has said and what God has promised in the midst of the struggle. And we see this passage in, in Hebrews 11. If we didn't have the Old Testament, if, if people like Ram and the, the, the Bible project that's going on to translate the Old Testament into all the languages that it hasn't been translated into yet, if we didn't have that, we would be deficient in being able to understand this passage in, in the new. And so we need to go back to Genesis chapter 12 to really understand what's going on. And this is what it says in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, his name hasn't been changed yet. Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I, and here comes the promise, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Notice the command to go. There's some real sacrifice in that command. We'll come back on that in a moment. And then this promise from God to bless Abraham. 
And it's this promise to bless him, to make his name great, that is so significant. It echoes what God had originally intended to do with God's, with his people through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And yet we see how broken it becomes at Babel. What do the people do? They say, we are going to make a name for ourselves. We are going to make ourselves great. We are going to ascend to the heavens and contend with God himself. We're going to put ourselves as God's equals. And God says, no, that's not how it works. But what I can do is this. I can choose a man. And I can do something in him that he can't do for himself. And I can do something for humanity that humanity can't do for themselves. And so we have this promise that through Abraham, this is the seed of the revelation, that hope is going to come to the world, ultimately through the Messiah, Jesus, who comes out of the lineage of Abraham, that through Messiah, hope would come not just to the people of Israel, but actually to all the nations of the world. As we find hope and redemption through what Jesus ultimately does for us on the cross. This is an important passage of scripture. It goes on. So Abraham went, he was obedient, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled throughout the land as far as the site of the great tree, Maria, at Shechem. We were thinking, I wonder what that tree looked like. Must have been quite special to get a mention here. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. We see further here that there is the clue. There are going to be some challenges for Abram in this. Being the father of a great nation at the age of 75. And yet he has still been able to have no children. Not sure how you would feel, perhaps, if God gave you this command and this promise at that age, and you'd never yet been able to have a child. There's also a clue that there's going to be some opposition. The land that he's been given as a promise is filled with other people, the Canaanites. There's going to be a struggle. And so, as we come to look at this, we, we begin to see not only is God doing something in Abraham and through Abraham that becomes ultimately the seed promise for us, the Messiah that is to come. But we get a clue that through the life of Abraham, we're going to find an example of how to live from command to victory. How to live from promise through struggle and opposition and challenge. And so a question that I have for each of you, that I've brought to myself through the course of this week, is how connected am I now, today, with God's commands to me? 
Am I hearing what God is saying to me? Am I aware of how God is wanting to shape my life in the big ways, in the little things that impact the the details of the way that, that I live out my work life, my family life, the way that I recreate in all the ways that I do that? Just like Abraham, we have this example, how to be victorious in our faith. And I'm amazed at how we, we see this in the life of Abraham, how his life of faith is still impacting us today. And isn't it amazing how so often in our relationship with God, the small decisions that we make to be obedient to God and these little things that he's called us to do end up cascading down into our families, into our churches, into our communities, into our generations to come, as God does exceptionally beyond what we could either hope or imagine in the church and through the church for his glory. Don't underestimate the importance of being obedient to God in the little things. Okay, let's unpack each of these just a little. The first is command. Are we engaging with God's commands to us? And obviously, God's commands to us, they come in two ways. The authoritative instruction of the scriptures, of the Bible, and the personal dynamic guidance of God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand how to engage well with both of those. God's commands to us come primarily through the Bible. It's why it's so important that we're reading it. If we don't read it, we lose the authoritative voice of God in our lives. And as soon as we lose the authoritative voice of God in our lives, we will find we cannot sustain the journey of faith with God. And we are left in this horrible place where we are are left believing that there is a God, but we are no longer walking with God. Because we have forsaken his voice. Anyone ever been there? That place in your life? You believe there's a God. But there's no experiential relationship with him. Because you walked away from the source of your life. Which is the voice of God to us. How do we live? We live not by bread alone. But by every word that comes forth. From the mouth of God. If you have no voice of the Lord in your heart, you have no life and no relationship. It's not a place that any Christian really wants to be in. And I would suggest to you this morning if there's not a command that you're wrestling with, if there's not a command that you are in some way having to to struggle to find the faith to walk out in your life. It's probably a sign that you've got a little too distant from the Bible. And it's maybe today is a good day to return and to engage again with that voice. It's through the scriptures that we understand what is right and what is wrong. What should be a priority in our lives. So many different things that God is calling us to live in obedience to. Honor your parents. Any younger ones here or older ones here? What does it look like to do that? To to give to the poor, to be hospitable, to love your enemies, 
to be ready to share your faith with other people, to serve in the church. These are all commands of Scripture to us, along with many other things. God is directing us. Are you engaged with what He is saying to you? God also guides us dynamically in the big and the small, sometimes in very supernatural ways, dreams and visions and prophecies, and also by the inner voice of the Holy Spirit, perhaps the most common way that the Holy Spirit dynamically guides us. Many of you, perhaps most of you will know our testimony, Nikki and and, and my testimony of, of why we are here. I heard the audible voice of God say, Jason, my son, now is the time. Get ready to go. That was as we were in Cape Town in South Africa. And that kick-started the journey of faith that led us to the place that we are today. That's the only time that's ever happened. And incredibly powerful, life-shaping moment for us. But all of the other details have come through the other ways that God guides us. The inner voice of the Spirit, dreams, visions, prophecies, the words of others to us, the instructions of the Bible that have guided us to contact Chilton Church. Are you looking for someone? Nope. Okay. And then to contact them again. Are you sure? (laughs) We're still open. Maybe God is guiding you to press some doors in your workplace. Have you felt that from him? God guides us in our areas of work to initiate ministries since we've been here. Hopefully, we've heard right as we've done that. Maybe God is saying to you to step into an area of service. You might not find in the Bible, John, now is the time to join the welcome team, okay? But you might sense it in your times of prayer. I'm not saying that to any Johns here. But But we do need people on the welcome team. Maybe it was inspired. (laughs) Or to give to this cause in this way. And we've prayed, how do we do that? And yes, this is what we should do. Or even to not take an opportunity that is presented to you because it's going to detract from what God has actually called you to. You know, often the commands that God has given to me, has given to us, have been deeply challenging. I don't know about you, but sometimes God has spoken to me, and, and perhaps Abraham felt like this at times, I'm not sure, but at, at times I felt like as God has said something to me, and, and I've just gone, God, I, d- I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want to do that. And if you read a command from God, and God, God, I see it, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> or I don't like the idea of that. Or, or perhaps even, I don't even agree with that. That's sometimes where our heart's at with the commands. And so often I've found that my first challenge in living out the journey of faith is to trust in the goodness and wisdom of God. That God knows better than Jason and that God is good. If I can believe that God knows better than Jason... And God is good, 
then I can follow what he says. If I can't, what ends up happening is I begin to evaluate which commands I like and which commands I don't. And you know what happens then? I become, in my heart, God's judge. And I judge what is good about God. And you know it's the other way around? It's actually him who judges my heart. But I have to believe that he's good and that he knows better than me. And if he said it, it's my place to do it and to change my heart, not to try to get God to change his. How many of you think at times you know better than him? Okay, We've all been there. It doesn't go well for us in the end, though. So I encourage you to continue to bring your heart to the Lord until he shaped it. We want to follow in Abraham's example, not the example of Adam and Eve. This is the difference. Adam and Eve evaluated God's command. We don't really know if we like the eat the fruit or not. Looks pretty good to us. We're going to do it our way. Abraham says, I don't really understand how I'm going to have a child. But okay, God, let's do this. I'm going to move. And it's his lineage that we're to follow in. Okay, command. But just in case you think it's all hard work, there is promise. Step two, this is so important. Right through the Bible, you will discover there is never a command in Scripture that does not come without the promise of God. There is always a promise for every command. And sometimes we need to find it. And if you like, if the command tells us what to do, the promise tells us we can do it. Because God is going to work with us. And so for Abraham, the command is to go. But the promise is, I will bless you. I will establish you. I will sustain you. And when you arrive, I will do something through thee that you cannot do for yourself. And it won't just impact you. It's going to impact the nations of the world. And so if the faith challenge to be able to engage with the command is to believe that God is good and wiser than us, the faith challenge to believe in the promise is that God is powerful and faithful and he can do what we can't. You know, when Nikki and I sensed the call to come here, that God was commanding us to do that, we also sensed God give his promise of not what Nikki was going to do or Jason was going to do, or what we were going to do as a family, or even what we were going to do as God's people together. But the promise of what God was going to do in us and through us, that God was promising he was going to bring healing to the church, that he was going to bring life to the church, not just to the church, but through the church for the city, not just to this city, but through the city into the nations of the world and significantly into Europe, that there was going to be spiritual renewal, that God was going to do something among us in Chilton, in Sutton, in London, in Europe, the nations of the earth. God was promising that he was going to do something. And so we're not just here because of a command. We are but we're also here because of a promise. 
We're also here because of a promise. What promises are you walking with? What, what promises are you trusting God for in your life? We're meant to be people of promise that walk not just because God has said we must do something, but because he has said he will do something in and through us. Does that make sense? You got that? Those go together. And when we have that, we can now step into the next step, which is to respond. And this is the challenge bit, isn't it? This is the step off the cliff and trust God. This is the the leap in. This is to to trust that God is going to do something even though we don't have it all worked out, which is what we see Abraham do. He goes even though he doesn't know where he's going. The, the sense of the Greek language in Hebrews chapter 11 is that this happens immediately. As God says, go, Abraham says, yes. It's like there is an instant yes in his heart. I wish that was always the case for me when God spoke. Sometimes it is. Hopefully more and more it becomes the instant response. Often it's, <laughs> and God has to press my buttons a bit more. Maybe that's the same for you. But Abraham does it. Yes, God, I will go. I think the faith challenge here is to trust that God will sustain us in the midst of the obedience, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the uncertainty that God is faithful. Yeah, he doesn't just command He doesn't just promise, he's actually faithful and he will be with us in the midst of it. God will provide for me as I go. And that provision looks different depending on the command. Maybe the provision for you is as you step out in obedience in giving to whoever, wherever, in the church, to, to charities, to organizations. Our finances is a challenging place to trust God. Not sure if anyone else has found that. But maybe here, the the response is to trust that as we respond in faith, God is going to undertake for us. He will help us. He will bring wisdom. He will bring provision. He will bring guidance. He will show us what we need to do. Maybe provision looks like this for you, that as you make a decision to share your faith with a colleague at work, with a friend, with someone in your family, that God is going to give you the words as you speak. And that God will enable you to share. Maybe provision looks like the colleague at work that is a pain. Anyone have a a, a person that you work with that just sort of is your grace grower? (laughs) You know, it's like they're there to help you become a better person. (laughs) Yeah. And so maybe, maybe as God calls you to love perhaps even your enemy, the trust is that God will provide the kindness that you need as you go. Or maybe as you step out into an area of ministry and you think, but I am so busy, I'm so involved, I'm so tired, and yet God is calling me to do this, I'm going to trust that as I step out in faith, he's going to supply what I need. The energy, the wisdom, perhaps the release from other things. Maybe the conviction of the spirit that you're going to need as you challenge a friend, maybe on their lifestyle. Another Christian, that's perhaps one of the hardest things as Christians that we do, challenge our friends about 
things that they're doing. Really tough. And yet sometimes what God calls us to do. How do you need to be trusting God as you respond to him? Next week, we're going to look at what I call the gap, which is the space in between receiving the promise of God and experiencing the victory of God. And there is often a gap. And for Abraham, it was a big gap. And sometimes for us, it's a big gap. How do we navigate that? How do we navigate the disappointment sometimes of being in between the promise and the victory? So that's the topic for next week. But just just briefly on the struggle that we can sometimes experience here. I think one of the main reasons that people disconnect from God's destiny for their lives is because we begin to obey and we start to follow and suddenly it's hard. It's, and it can get really hard. It can get really tough. And we can face incredible challenge. And we believe, if we, if we believe the lie in that moment, if God wants it to happen, it'll be plain sailing. If we believe that lie, then in the midst of the challenge, our only response now is to change course. Because we've believed the lie that to follow God is easy. And I need to tell you, the truth is, to follow God is incredibly fulfilling. And ultimately, the most rewarding thing you could ever do. And for eternity, you will be thankful that you did. But as we live it out here, there is often real struggle and real challenge and real hardship. And you might be in a space now, today, in between. And if you are, I want to encourage you, persevere, persevere, hold on to what God has said. Don't let go of what God has promised. There's a there's a saying which is funny and good <laughs> and challenging at the same time that Chris Valentin has mentioned that I've remembered because of the the way that it's written. It says this, sorry. <laughs> the dogs of doom stand at the doors of our destiny and they bark loud. They bark loud. God calls us to things. And sometimes as we step out, the dogs of doom will be barking. You can't do that. You're not able to do that. You're not worthy to do that. Who would ever believe that you should be the one to step into this? God won't come through for you. You're just being foolish. You're setting yourself up for failure. Why are you being such an extremist? Why are you being so convicted to God? You know, you don't have to live that radically for Jesus. Any of that sound familiar? Surely you won't die. This is the work of the enemy to derail God's people from God's purpose. And this is the challenge that we have to overcome that Abraham nearly didn't. But he did, and he becomes the example for us.
So in wrapping up this morning, what's your next step with God? What does it look like for you this morning to follow in in our father Abraham's footsteps? Do you you perhaps this morning need to reconnect with this, (laughs) with your Bible, whatever it looks like? It might it might for you look like that, <laughs> which is fine in the modern era. Okay. Maybe it's the promise. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed because you've heard the command, but you haven't heard yet what God is going to do. Maybe it's a response thing. You know, um, how many of you had children, and maybe you've been the child in this scenario, and, and, and you say to your kids, I want you to tidy your room. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. And you go up 45 minutes later, and it's still a mess. Oh, I was going to do it. Uh, okay, yeah, but you haven't yet, so you've actually been disobedient. Delayed obedience is disobedience until you do it. <laughs> okay. The, the message will be online. <laughs> okay. And sometimes we know what God's been telling us. And he's been saying it for a week, for a month, for a year, for 10 years. And we've just not done it. And you still at step one. Because God says, well, you want to go on the journey. It's my journey. We get to go together. But you follow me. It's not the other way around. We are followers of Jesus. He's not the follower of Jason. Thank goodness. <laughs> Response. Maybe it's a struggle. I have people around me that pray for me when I'm facing tough stuff. How many of you are in connect groups? How many of you are in prayer triplets? Excellent. If you're not... Oh, I want to encourage you. Get into a place where you can have people pray for you when you're in the battle. And let me tell you, you need to be there before there's a problem. (laughs) Because you want the relationship with the people already so that you can go to them and say, my life is spinning out right now. I need you to help me. And so I encourage you, make that relationship before you need it. Okay. So, let's pray. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.